business. The blog and podcast for game changers and innovators in the construction industry. Hello and welcome to episode 86 of the AEC Business Podcast. My name is Arnie Heiskanen and my guest is Lauren Vasey, Research Associate at Institute for Computational Design and Construction and a doctoral candidate at the University of Stuttgart in Germany. So I am currently kind of carrying out research in robotics for architecture and construction um, at an academic institute at the University of Stuttgart, which is called the Institute for Computational Design and Construction. And I've been there for now five years. Um, My background was actually both in architecture as well as civil engineering. Um, And I kind of stumbled upon robotics uh, and manufacturing for architecture um, because it kind of made sense given my kind of technical background, but also design interests as well. Um, So, yep, I've been doing research really looking at kind of sensor-driven workflows for robotics. So what is newly enabled when robots can sense and react to their environment or sense and react to a kind of um, unpredictable material system, really thinking about them doing more than kind of standardized predefined tasks. Why Stuttgart? So Stuttgart has always had a kind of interest in really materially driven kind of um, engineered highly engineered approaches to architecture that are are really kind of balancing um, a really aesthetically, on the one hand, aesthetically um, uh, driven work, but also work that's really sensitive to materiality and to structural behavior. You have kind of the work of Fry Otto um, being an early precedent, but the kind of legacy of those early engineers who also really cared about um, structural behavior, but also um, tectonics, and, and materiality, you see that kind of work carrying on uh, in the work that we're doing now, because there's really kind of a legacy of, of, of innovation and of um, really, really attention to detail um, with um, materiality and in, in structural and architectural design. Well, I've heard about robots in construction in the 80s, and I, I think that Japan was one of the places to go <laughs> at that time. Yeah. So, but, and, and we, but but the robotics in construction has not yet really taken off, I think. Uh, but why should we be interested in, in robotic construction right now? I think that's a, a super interesting um, observation. Um, yes, there were a lot of interests um, in automation in Japan in the 1980s and 1970s. Um, those efforts were really concentrating on automating single tasks within an overall workflow. And there was so there was a high degree of, let's say, specificity. And there weren't, for example, robots developed to handle many different tasks in the same workflow. And the robots they were, were using were really task specific. And the emergence of robotics now, especially in academia, is really enabled because we're using generic robots, which have a lot of benefits because you can really use them towards several different tasks in the same workflow. They're very accessible, they're easier to program, especially now that we have kind of abilities to simulate them in CAD programs. Um, so it's really about recombining combining task-specific robots, which might be doing one thing quite specifically, but also using generic and accessible um, robots such as industrial robots to really enable a higher degree of, of automation, but also a really pay, paying attention to the strengths of any robot um, 
and really using every machine or robot for its kind of innate abilities or innate tasks. I can imagine that robots are, you can use them easily in a controlled environment like in a factory, but there are also on-site uh, robots uh, currently being developed. Uh, when does on-site robotics become feasible and, and what can we use it for? That is a really good important observation about the kind of challenges, which is that construction sites are unstructured, um, which means that robots engineered for highly structured environments from the manufacturing industry, such as industrial robots, aren't necessarily appropriate. Um, so there, there's a lot of challenges that need to be kind of overcome simultaneously. Uh, the first would be that buildings are not really designed for the for automation. They were really designed for logics of human um, production, so um, leveraging human-level dexterity and human-level cognition, which right now we're beginning to approach, but, but it's still very challenging to implement a robotic system that has a high degree of um, kind of dexterity. So on the one hand, we need to really redesign buildings for the conditions of automation. And on the other hand side, we need to also develop robots which are more suited for construction. So they need to somehow combine the kind of characteristics of industrial robot that make them really accessible. So the ability to, uh, to be programmed somewhat easily, um, the ability to be safe with interactive scenarios with humans, but simultaneously they need to have kind of payloads and specifications that make them appropriate for construction. So um, navigability on, a, on an unstructured site, they need to have sensor feedback so they can kind of locate themselves, but also sense really important things about the materiality. Um, and they need to obviously leverage new kind of data processing techniques and machine learning so that they can kind of react to those systems, to those unstructured sites and materials um, with a high degree of robustness. One question is that humans, humans, human workers and robots have to be able to work in the same space together. Right. So, so is is there something going on that makes it possible? So the the kind of human um, safe robots that have emerged in the last few years, they're usually called cobots. They've been developed from a perspective of of manufacturing. So um, what they do to make them safe is that they have kind of robust kind of um, sensors and torque monitoring which enables them to immediately tr um, trigger safety stops when they come into contact um, with a human. Um, there's other kind of safety protocols which enable them to be safe, but um, these are definitely being uh, implemented in manufacturing conditions. And the challenge in construction is that the payloads are much, much higher. So to have the same um, certifiable safety in construction um, for higher, higher payloads, it's just a matter of, uh, of time before that would be able to be developed. But in manufacturing, they're, they're proving to improve efficiency, uh, to do the kind of tasks that humans don't want to do, the kind of repeatable tasks um, with a high degree of kind of precision, all these kinds of attributes that make robotic um, production processes advantageous. But of course, there's, there's many um, challenges to still developing them and implementing them on site. I've been writing and also interviewing uh, some specialists who are doing algorithmic design and, and joining it with digital fabrication. So 
is that one way to, uh, as, you, as you said earlier, that we should take into consideration how we build and what kind of buildings actually are suitable for ro robotics. So is this one way of doing it uh, using algorithmic uh, design and, and construction? I think I think this is a really interesting question because I think digital fabrication and algorithmic design have really emerged quite a, quite a while ago. Um, and basically what they enable is that you can design a building or a system in the computer. And of course, we can directly output the kind of manufacturing um, information directly from our design files. So we don't need to reduce the design to a kind of static 2D drawing and hand it off to a, a contractor. We can really begin to design for constraints, design for manufacturability. Um, but ultimately, there's still kind of challenges because once you even output machine control code from a design, um, it, it also becomes static. And there's a lot of intelligence when you leverage algorithmic design. There's a lot of parametric you know, knowledge about dependencies between parts, um, which means that you can change the kind of design on the fly uh, in response to different kind of inputs. But ultimately, if you still use a highly linear workflow, and compile it into machine control code, the machine doesn't have access to those contingencies and those relationships. So I think one question about digital fabrication is how do we make the machines intelligent? How do they have access to the kind of logic that was implicit in the design generation? So if they're building a wall and they know that two walls need to touch, it's not about geometric specificity, but it's about those relationships between things. Um, and so the machine should be reacting to tolerances or um, implementing um, kind of design intent uh, without reducing a design to to one specific static um, model. I think there's really a question of how algorithmic design perpetuates through all stages of production and how machines become intelligent um, and can access those design intents that were in the kind of algorithmic model. As, as, a, as a researcher and, and uh... What are the new opportunities that you think that uh, robots can create and how, how can they change the industry eventually? Well, I think we really need to approach it holistically. So if we try to automate one part of a workflow, I think we'll ultimately fail. So it's really about re, re, like redesigning buildings, redesigning the robots that can build those buildings. And then at the same time, really developing integrated data protocols where the design um, generation perpetuates all, through all stages of the production process. So the really interoperability between software and um, CAD programs and hardware needs to be something that's really addressed in research. Um, but there's huge opportunities, I think. Well, I think you see this emerging that some new companies that are really automating and really understanding one new type of material system. So for example, Autico in Denmark, um, who really understands the constraints of wire cutting of, of um, different types of materials and using it as formwork. Because they've perfected that craft, then they can all of a sudden it becomes a kind of feasible business model so that many different kind of practitioners um, in practice, architects, contractors can use it. I think it's really about perfecting one building system, redesigning it for the constraints of that of that um, robotic setup that will really enable it to be integrated into 
large-scale architecture and construction um, economies. As you, I've seen some videos on, uh, on the internet, uh, very exciting exper uh, experiments and, and prototypes. But can you mention recent examples of, of robotic construction that you find exciting and, and promising? I mean, I think uh, at ETH, the kind of large-scale gantry robotic assembly is quite exciting. I think what we are doing at the ICD, of course, is exciting, but I <laughs> don't need to, you know, we've... Uh, done a few large-scale, um, really large-scale building projects that are kind of not permanent, but on the, you know, several 30-meter uh, kind of spanning um, buildings, the the Buga um, pavilions that we just um, completed, which I think are beginning to implement these technologies on a really large scale, which kind of demonstrates their feasibility in the kind of the industry, uh, which is very um, exciting. The other, the other kind of areas of development that I think are really interesting are these kind of custom robots that are combined with industrial robots. So really, uh, some of the work that's coming out of EAC, so thinking about uh, large-scale cable bot construction, so you can move away from the kind of inherently restricted scale limitations of, of industrial robots, and also kind of mobility platforms. Ultimately, I think it's really exciting when 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 projects kind of look at the whole building process holistically and don't just develop one kind of aspect. So the design is a really important part of the development. I'm, I'm not sure if any of our listeners is already doing something in, in this area, but if any, any of them would like to start experimenting with robotics in their business, uh, where should they start? Well, I think it's, it's a little bit complicated because I think everything <laughs> that's emerging on a, a kind of interesting scale or that's really challenging building systems now has, has taken, you know, close to 10 years of development. So it's not something that you can expect to um, immediately have promising results. But I think that there is a few different options uh, for larger kind of companies. I think getting an industrial robot in house is, is an okay option. Of course, you have to balance like the cost of the robot, the cost of integration and whether you could uh, hire someone full time uh, to be a kind of in-house robotic expert. Uh, the other option is having kind of external external consultancies, so people that have come from these kind of more research-oriented uh, backgrounds who are familiar with the kind of challenges that can somewhat um, uh, give you good advice about the kind of startup costs and the, the kind of R&D that would be expected with any kind of process. And then there's also kind of opportunities for collaboration. So I think on the one hand, you could partner with these emerging companies, which are emerging in kind of construction robotics. So I mentioned Autico in Denmark. One of my coworkers um, actually started a startup in fiber composite-based uh, robotic fabrication methods. So he's looking for collaborators. He's also based in Stuttgart. And then there would also be part partnerships with academia. So there's generally a good variety of grants that um, exist in Europe for partnering kind of emerging small-scale businesses with academic partners, and then the, the kind of funding is partially subsidized by the government if it's kind of a promising research area. So I think there's a lot of different options depending on the, the kind of interest and the research um, ideas. But do you see a growing interest in, in businesses? I, I do think that some companies are, are are interested, but they don't know yet what what kind of business model makes sense. So I do think that there's more more of a trend towards having these kind of in-house robotic experts. So I think, for example, Fosters in London, for example, has a few kind of a team that's more dedicated towards 
um, these kind of um, research-oriented automation or robotics projects. Um, I think BIG also in Denmark was, was interested in, in, in adopting the same model. I think you have to have a certain scale because there is, you really need a lot of fundamental research and the question of whether practices can afford to undertake this kind of fundamental research um, is a question or whether it will primarily exist initially in academia and then be transferred into business models. Um, this seems to make more sense in Europe. In the, in the US, there seem to be a little, a few more kind of emerging startups. Um, for example, Icon in Texas, who's doing large-scale 3D printing, uh, Branch Technologies as well. Um, yeah, I, I think that there's different different models everywhere. And I think it's just a kind of matter of time. And I would imagine that one way uh, companies will use robots is uh, in prefabrication. Right. Prefabrication can be implemented now. I, I'm sure that our listeners would like to learn more. How can they learn more and how, how can they uh, connect with you? So they can check out uh, the IC, our, our website, the ICD, um, I think, Institute for Computational Design in Stuttgart. They can send me a directly an email at either my um, email at uni Stuttgart, so it's lauren.vasey at icd.unistuttgart.de, or they can send me an email to my Gmail account, which is lauren.vasey at gmail.com. Um, but our, our work is pretty um, present on the, the internet, so I think there wouldn't be any issues checking it out. Mm -hmm.